Prologue Over Yazd, Iran. 2330 hours, Zulu. The desert sand stirs for a moment before coiling up like smoke in the direction of the blowback created by the Sikorsky MH-53J's titanium and steel rotor blades. The Sikorsky sails just a few feet above the sand dunes, flying low to avoid radar detection. In whisper mode, the helicopter makes a sound more evocative of a golf course sprinkler than a 38,238-pound troop carrier. Inside, the men of the 21st Dust Devils Special Operations Squadron of the 352nd Special Operations Group wait without a word of chatter passing between them. This silence, however, is not tactically mandated. This silence is a function of the fucking heat. On a night like this, the stale, hot desert air can push the mercury well over 100 degrees, which is uncomfortable at best when one is completely naked, but almost intolerable when wearing 30 pounds of ordnance and Kevlar. Even with years of training, these soldiers have to concentrate simply to keep from passing out. That kind of effort takes focus that's best not wasted on talking. Not that the Dust Devils have much to talk about in any case. The pre-op briefing they received in Iskenderun has been repeated and reviewed so many times the mission objectives are as familiar to them as their home phone numbers. These objectives were applied to the general insertion and extraction scenario the men have drilled on so often that muscle memory will do more than half the work for them. So long as the hostages are where the intel indicates they are, the dust devils think this op will not be unlike going to the grocery store to extract a quart of milk a confidence shared by every man in the unit, even the more historically fluent, who recall Captain Edward A. Murphy's famous remark, If anything can go wrong, it will. But then, Captain Murphy was Air Force, not Special Forces. The Sikorsky's two rear wheel sets kiss the roof of our Dachon Charity Hospital. A falling leaf makes more noise. Less than two seconds later, five pairs of boots spill out. In one fluid move, Sergeant First Class Robert Gundy takes the point as his men fall into a standard two-by-two cover formation behind him. The deployment is only slightly more coordinated than a ballet you might see on any given night at Lincoln Center. Gundy shoots a look to his right to find that the roof access door is precisely where the briefing given by his CO said it would be. With a sharp jab of his finger, he gives Sergeant Bellamy the signal to unlock the door, which Bellamy does with practiced efficiency and the aid of a hydrosulfuric acid mixture that bubbles and hisses through the lock like a destructive Alka-Seltzer. After a few seconds of chemical activity, Bellamy pops the lock as easily as if he were walking down a flight of stairs. The dust devils navigate the utility stairwell, taking the steps two at a time, and arrive at their designated floor. Gundy places a gloved hand on the bar that their briefing indicated would open the door into the intensive care unit, the lone barrier now separating him and his men from the rest of a hospital staffed and occupied mostly by civilians. He hopes he won't have to kill any of them, but knows that such hope is futile. The thought gives him pause for maybe half a second. Gundy pushes the door open to reveal the ICU. The room is both dark and quiet two things no hospital anywhere in the world is. Shit's wrong, Gundy thinks. Too damn quiet for a hospital.
A hospital in the States, at least, he corrects himself. No electricity's just SOP for a BFC like Iran. Standard operating procedure for a backward fucking country. He gives the signal for the men to don their AN-PVS-22 night vision goggles. Gundy taps a button, and the view through his goggles shifts from murky blackness to the ethereal green light of infrared. Activating the infrared also toggles the settings on the minicam mounted to each man's helmet, so the video feeds transmitted via Wi-Fi back to the Sikorsky are simultaneously shifted to night vision. The Sikorsky, in turn, uploads the data, after encrypting it, to a KH-11 satellite flying in geosynchronous orbit directly overhead. It takes approximately 1.68 seconds for the bird to decode, re-encrypt, and relay the video back to Earth.